If you have trusted in Jesus Christ and turned away from your sin in repentance, then I want to remind you today of some uh, amazing news. You have a peace with God. Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, in our place and for our sin, and through our faith in Jesus Christ, you and I, remember, have moved from death to life, and we have moved from enmity with God to peace with God. And I want to remind you that this is amazing news, that in the midst of all that's happening in our world today, in the midst of all the darkness and all the bad news, and more importantly, in light of eternity, this is amazing news that we are secure, we are loved, we are guarded, we have peace with God. And we can know the peace of God because we know the God of peace. But if you're honest with yourself this morning and if you're anything like me, some days you'll admit that you just don't feel very peaceful. That some days we feel uh, distracted. Some days we feel frazzled. Some days we feel very anxious. And God understands that. And maybe you're here today and you feel that. Maybe this morning was a very frazzled morning for you. Maybe you're sitting here and you don't feel very at peace for whatever reason. I want you to know that God understands that. In fact, if I remember correctly, last time I was here, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. The exhortation there from the Apostle Paul was to replace all our anxieties with prayer. Notice it on the screen. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul tells us that we can replace anxiety with peace. That it's possible in the Christian life to know the peace of God through prayer, but also we're going to see in our text today that at any given moment, while it is possible in the Christian life to replace anxiety with peace because we know the God of peace, we also know from experience that it is also possible at any given moment to fail to enjoy the peace of God. That's why he says you got to take some time to replace anxiety with prayer so that we can begin to enjoy, as a matter of experience, the peace of God in every situation. Well, the Apostle Paul gives us something even more in the next few verses, and I want to share it with you. Yes, Paul wants us to actively replace our anxieties with prayer. That's Philippians 4, verse 6. And yes, Paul wants us to allow then the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 7. But there's something else very important for us. You who are here maybe and you have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, but you don't feel very peaceful today perhaps. There's something else. Paul wants us to understand that when the peace of God is ruling in our hearts through prayer, it produces the pursuit of a kind of thinking. The, the heart that is ruled by the peace of God, 
The peace of God that comes into the hearts of people who have made peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, who know the God of peace. There's something that Paul wants us to know about the way that we need to think. The kind of meditations that need to fill our minds. Because while we may actively seek to replace anxiety with prayer, there's more Paul wants us to know. And that's what we find in Philippians 4, 8, 9. I'm going to read it again, and I want you to look at your Bibles with me. And in here, in this text, we have some profound truth about what needs to mark the meditations of our mind. The mind is important to the Apostle Paul in Philippians. He's talking frequently about our mind, our thinking. And I want you to know the mind is so important to the Christian life and so critical to enjoying and experiencing the peace of God that belongs to all who know the God of peace. Philippians 4, 8 and 9, again, I'm gonna read it. Paul says, finally, brothers, He's ending his letter. Finally, brothers, he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, listen to what he says. He says, think about these things things. Think about these things, okay? So I want to jump in with point number one. Understanding that the peace of God produces a kind of thinking. Let's get started with this. What the peace of God produces, I want you to see this, a disciplined mind. A disciplined mind. Verse eight. Verse eight begins with, finally, brothers, and it ends with, think about these things. It begins with finally because the Apostle Paul's coming to the end of his letter to the church at Philippi and he's summing up all that he's taught in this particular section in chapter 4. And verse 8 ends with think about these things because he's capping off a list of imperatives that we're going to look closely at in a few moments. Imperatives that must describe the meditation of the mind. The meditation of the mind. The meditation of the mind that is ruled by the peace of God. Why? Isn't it enough to just replace our anxieties with prayer, as he tells us in verse 6? Well, yes and no. Yes, because he's told us that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we seek to replace our anxieties with prayer But no, it's not enough because the Christian life is not passive. And the heart that's ruled by peace is not passive either. Rather, it actively pursues a kind of thinking that continues to bear the fruit of peace in our lives. For example... We may well pray about all our anxieties and burdens, but if we passively allow our minds to be formed by all the things that produce anxiety, then what we're doing is impeding the flow of peace that prayer is intended to produce. I'm going to say that again. This is very important. We may well 
pray about all our burdens and anxieties, but if we passively allow our minds to be formed by all the things that produce anxiety and fear and burden us and whatever it is, then we will impede the flow of peace that prayer is intended to produce because the Christian life is not passive. And a heart ruled by peace is not passive. It was Jonathan Edwards who said, the ideas and images in men's minds are the invisible powers that constantly govern them. The ideas and the images in men's minds are the powers that constantly govern them. So just think for a moment, just consider how many ideas and messages and worldviews and narratives that we passively allow to fill our minds every single day. And in case you're not fully aware of this, there are, there's just a huge flow of information coming our way seeking to disciple us and, and form us. I read this week that there are 500 million tweets posted on Twitter every single day. 500 million images and messages flowing left, right, and center, seeking to form us and shape us. There are, I read, 4 million new videos uploaded to YouTube every single day with over 1 billion hours of YouTube watched by users every single day. What is that? that that's millions and millions of messages and images and ideas flowing I read that there are 95 million posts on Instagram every single day. Just one example in the sphere of social media of how our minds are inundated. Our minds, our thinking is inundated with news and controversy and opinions and critiques and do this and don't do that and that's bad but that's good and 10 ways to do this or five things to avoid when you're trying to do that and on and on and on it goes. Do you, you ever feel tired? I mean, I got off social media a long time ago but just reading these statistics makes me tired. There's so much information and it's flowing with the intent to disciple you in your thinking. And it flows in such a way, I suggest to you, that produces anxiety because we haven't necessarily disciplined our minds. Now here in the final verses of Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul is very concerned that the church at Philippi discipline their minds to meditate upon the things that make for peace. In fact, this is what the mind ruled by peace produces, this desire and this active discipline. If you have been saved by Jesus Christ and you know the God of peace, you have the peace of God, and you who have the peace of God, that peace Paul is saying, produces a kind of desire, a kind of pursuit within us to use our minds in a certain way, to meditate on certain things. And yet you know and I know that we don't always use our minds the way 
that God has called us to. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your minds, fix your gaze, look hard, intently, think. You see, the Christian faith is a thinking faith. And the Bible has a lot to say about what we fill our minds with and how we think. So I want to share with you just some specifics from our text of Scripture. What does this mean specifically for us? And if you're in this room today and you are particularly burdened by something in your life, God understands that. If you're anxious today, God understands that. And, and he comes to us by way of his word to say, if you know me, if you love me, if, if, if you have peace with me, then peace is available to you. I want you to think about some things. I want to help you today, God is saying. I want to form you today. So a few things from our text. What does a disciplined mind look like? Well, a disciplined mind that bears the fruit of peace, firstly, I want you to see believes uh, the truth. Believes the truth. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. At the end, he says, think about these things. What do you want us to think about, Paul? Well, I want you to think about whatever's true. Whatever's true, that's what he's saying. Very simple, yet very powerful. Paul says, think about these things. Think about what, Paul? Whatever is true. And this is the first and best question you can ask as you begin to meditate on something. Here's the question. Is it true? When my children were small and they'd get really frustrated with something or burdened by something or anxious by something, I would always come to them. I would say, is what you're meditating on, is it true? Is what you're believing true right now? Or are you believing some lie that's taking you by the hand all the way into the depths of despair? Is it true? Secondly, a disciplined mind not only believes the truth, a disciplined mind focuses on the spiritual and the eternal. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, here it is, whatever is honorable, think about these things. So I ask if it's true, but you ever wonder about the things you're thinking about, whether they are honorable? What does that mean? The word honorable or noble, here it literally means to revere in the original Greek text, to think about what is honorable or worthy of reverence. It means to cultivate a spiritual perspective, not a worldly or trivial perspective in life. To think about what is honorable is to constantly assess our worldview. And worldview formation is very important in these days. Once upon a time, this country was founded upon a biblical Christian worldview, a Christian ethic. It's not going in that direction anymore. Don't take for granted that the messages you're hearing from different places are formed by a biblical worldview. There are thousands of worldviews out there that are not a biblical worldview, and we need to ask ourselves the question when we're thinking, when we're meditating, is this honorable or is this worldly? Am I allowing my mind to meditate on that which is earthly, shameful, trivial? Or from the vantage point of a biblical worldview, do I flee from any thought of what is 
dishonorable or irreverent. That's important because we live in the world and we get a lot of messages from the world. We are to think. We are to think about what is honorable, spiritual, from an eternal perspective. Thirdly, a disciplined mind not only believes the truth, focuses on the spiritual, the eternal. Thirdly, a disciplined mind embraces what is right. Embraces what is right in your mind. Before you can actually live out what is right, you have to embrace it in your heart and mind. You have to believe it in your heart and mind. Verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, notice this, whatever is just. Paul says, I want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that. Whatever is just. Other translations render this, whatever is right. The Greek translates it righteous. The idea here is to be resolved to understand what accords with God's standards. Wow. Wow, there are very few things happening in our society. Very few messages coming through social media, for example, that accord with God's standards. But here's the problem. So many of us, we, we're not aware of what God's standards are, what is right, what is righteous. And so this becomes a significant challenge for us in our post-Christian culture. We have to understand what it is that accords with God's righteous standards. So do current cultural narratives and ideologies accord with God's standard of righteousness? If not, am I willingly immersing myself in them? Is that my meditation? Or am I thinking about and embracing that which accords with God's truth no matter how much the world contradicts it? I just want you to understand as I'm thinking about this text, I'm, in my heart I'm seeing how difficult this is, how much hard work this requires to think about the things that accord with God's standards when every message all around me is contradictory to God's standards. It can easily be pulled in. Very, very important questions for our hearts today. A disciplined mind believes the truth, focuses on the spiritual, the eternal, embraces what is right. Fourthly, a disciplined mind uh, enjoys what is pure. Enjoys what is pure. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we like to sit down and watch movies. Uh, we like to do that, but very often, more often than we'd like, we start a movie and very quickly we have to turn it off. And sometimes it takes us the whole length of our date night to find a movie. At the end of it, by the time we find a movie, we're like, we're tired, we're, we're going to bed. But verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, pure, think about these things. The word pure literally means free from sin. So while it's impossible to be completely free or avoiding sin completely in this world and in this life, it is not impossible, listen, it is not impossible to make intentional decisions of wisdom every single day. So if we're sitting down and we're trying to watch a movie and it's like violent and it's full of swearing and cursing and there's sexual immorality everywhere and it's literally evil in front of my face. Like it's literally evil. And some will say, well, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't ever watch a movie. Well, here, this is what it requires. It requires a sense of intentional 
discipline and commitment and resolve, I may never get to see a movie ever again in my life. But am I willing to do whatever it takes to put my mind, to put my life in the way of wisdom, to enjoy peace? Speaking on the topic of movies, I've found there are certain things if I watch, I just, I walk away really burdened. I don't know about you. Particularly if I see violence of a grotesque kind, I mean, I walk away and I, my heart is just burdened. I'm like this, I mean, it didn't really happen in real life. I mean, I just watched it, but, but I'm so burdened by it. I think there's something True in what Paul is saying here because you're, you've made, to an extent, your meditation something that is evil. Murder. And so it's not pure in the meditation of the heart that enjoys peace, enjoys what is pure. So putting yourself in the way of wisdom. Now I just understand that this point on its own comes to us and it challenges us. Because perhaps a lot of what our entertainment choices are, are made up of what is evil. And we just need to recognize together, we should probably stop that. Because it's not contributing to the peace of God in my life. It actually disrupts that. Paul says, think about what is pure. And don't put yourself in the way of what is evil. It's not wise. It's not right. In many cases, it's just wrong. So, a disciplined mind believes the truth, focuses on the spiritual, the eternal, embraces what is right, enjoys what is pure. Fifth, a disciplined mind, notice, seeks what is pleasing to God. Seeks what is pleasing to God. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, here it is now, whatever is lovely, lovely. The word lovely is translated sweet or uh, gracious. Interesting, the word appears only here in the entire New Testament, this word lovely in the original. The idea is to seek out a meditation that is pleasing to God. Seek out a meditation that is pleasing to God. And this is so powerful, loved ones. To be close to Jesus, to be so intentional in our thought life, to be near to the cross, so near that we would seek to meditate on that which is pleasing to him, to just turn off all the noise and to reflect, to reflect on that which is lovely, which is sweet, which is gracious, that which is pleasing to him. Let me encourage you. You will need to do this in your life. You will need to intentionally turn off all the noise and get your place to get yourself to the place of solitude and silence. That's a spiritual discipline, by the way. Solitude and silence. And as you draw near to Jesus Christ, and you begin to think about what Christ has done for you, 
And you begin to think about his grace and his mercy towards you, you. And, and you know your heart just like, I know my heart. I see the ugly in me. I see the sin in me. I see the wrong in me. But just to turn off all the noise and to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to think about the beauty of your sacrifice for me. That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to think about my family. That is lovely. It's pleasing to God. To give thanks to the Lord. That's pleasing to God. Just take a moment to sit in a chair or on a couch or in your backyard when the weather gets nicer and just think about what is lovely. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for a place to live. That's pleasing to God. Thank you that I can go to my refrigerator and there's food there. Thank you. I just want to thank you. I want to meditate on what is Lovely. When was the last time you sat there and thanked God for your church? You know, I'm sitting here this morning and I'm listening to you all sing and I'm, I just say, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church. What a beautiful place. When was the last time you thanked God for what he's doing in your church? And your pastor is my friend and I'm sitting there and he's, preaching in our church, and I'm just meditating on what is lovely. Lord, thank you that Pastor Ted is ministering to our congregation right now. Oh, Lord, bless them. Lord, bless them. Let the word penetrate the hearts of all the people there today. You see, you see what, what, what we're doing? We're just looking. We're thanking God. We're, we're glorifying God. We're worshiping God. We're thinking about things that are lovely. And the list can go on and on about the things that you can fill your mind with that are, that's a pleasing meditation to the Lord. We're to seek what is pleasing to God. And you'll find that when you do that, yeah, there could be some real hard things happening in your life, but very quickly there'll be a smile on your face. And very quickly, there'll be a sense of perspective and gratitude. And very quickly, you'll know that God is pleased. Seek a pleasing meditation. So a disciplined mind believes the truth, focuses on the spiritual and the eternal, embraces what is right, enjoys what is pure, seeks what is pleasing uh, to God. Next, pursues what is commendable. A disciplined mind pursues what is commendable. The word commendable, it carries the same theme forward. The Greek translation renders commendable as that which is highly regarded. You know, we spend a lot of time wondering what people think of us, don't we? We spend a lot of time thinking, how did they perceive my actions? How did they perceive what I said? But what if we spent more time thinking about our thinking. What is commendable? It, it refers to a heart of integrity, a, a mind of integrity, that people may look at me and say, wow, they, he says the right things, he does the right things, but only God sees what I'm thinking. And what is commendable, to, to think about what is commendable is to think with a mind of integrity. That maybe on any given moment, if someone were to pop into my head, would they find commendable thoughts? Now, 
Thank God we can't get into each other's heads. Amen? But God sees everything, doesn't he? And he says, make this your meditation. Make this your reflection. That you think about what is commendable, what is filled with integrity. There's one more thing. A disciplined mind believes the truth, focuses on the spiritual and the internal, eternal, embraces what is right, enjoys what is pure, seeks what is pleasing to God, pursues what is commendable. Lastly, and finally, to sum it all up, the Apostle Paul tells us that a disciplined mind, uh, here it is, meditates on all that is excellent. Here's just kind of the Apostle Paul putting his arm around the whole thing and saying, if there is anything excellent, He's just summing it all up, wrapping it all up. He's used all these different words to try to help the church at Philippi to understand how uh, they are to think if they are ruled by the peace of God and the kind of pursuit of a mind that's ruled by the peace of God. Paul says, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's saying anything at all. If it's excellent, worthy of praise, it brings praise to God. Think about that. Think about that. And that's... His way of summarizing it all. There's an ancient um, fable out of the Middle East. It tells of uh, three merchants crossing a desert. Let me read it to you. Talks of these merchants, they were traveling uh, at night in the darkness to avoid the heat of the day. As they were crossing over a dry creek bed, a loud voice commanded them to stop. They were then ordered to get down off their camels, stoop down, and pick up pebbles from the creek bed and put them into their pockets. Immediately after doing so, they were then told to leave and continue until dawn before they had stopped to set up camp. Now, this mysterious voice told them that in the morning they would be both sad and happy. Understandably shaken, they obeyed the voice and traveled on through the rest of the night without stopping. When morning dawned, these three merchants anxiously looked into their pockets. And instead of finding the pebbles as they expected, they found precious jewels. And they were both happy and sad. Happy that they had picked up some of the pebbles, but sad because they hadn't gathered more while they had the opportunity. Now, this is a fable. It's not true, but it's a fable that illustrates for us the reality of our opportunity in the Christian life. That if you just consider, loved ones, if you're a child of God, you belong to him, you've put your faith and trust in him, you've turned from your sin, there's a day coming where all of us, all of us will stand before God one day. And I think about this often. On that day, we're not going to look back and say, man, I'm so glad I meditated the way I did. I did really great. I meditated on all that was excellent as much as I could. I exhausted all that I could possibly exhaust by way of my thinking upon all that is excellent and all that is praiseworthy. We're probably not going to say that. We're probably going to stand before the Lord. We're going to fall before Jesus Christ. And we're going to look back maybe and we're going to think to ourselves somehow, man, if I, 
could go back in time, I would meditate on all that is excellent far more. I'd turn off the TV. I'd cancel that social media account, or at very least, I'd minimize it. I'd discipline my mind. I'd discipline my thinking. Here I am in glory. Here I am in eternity. I see clearly. I finally see the way I'm supposed to see. And now if I, you look back and say, man, I, w- I wish I gave more thought to what Jesus told me to do. On that day, I pray the Lord looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray today by God's grace that we all can have a greater sense of that kind of clarity. I mean, we can't have the clarity that we'll have on that day today, but we have the word of God to illuminate our hearts and to push us forward, don't we? And what if the word of God teaches us today of the beauty, of the thoughts of God, the beauty of the word of God, and the beauty that awaits us every single day as we discipline our minds, the peace that we could experience because we know the God of peace? Some of us can make some real conscious decisions to put ourselves in the way of wisdom so that we fill our minds and discipline our minds with anything that is excellent and praiseworthy. I'm not saying social media is a sin for everybody. I'm just saying for me, I had to cancel all those accounts because for me, my mind was taken in places that were not healthy. Just one example. And I found when I pulled back, that was one decision I had to make. You may have to make some other decisions, but I found when I pulled back out of that, I was able to redirect my focus and to meditate on all that is excellent as much as I possibly can. There is peace, loved ones, that belongs to everyone who knows the God of peace. It produces a disciplined mind. Let's walk in those Desires. There's one more thing I want to show you very fast. Not only that the peace of God produces a disciplined mind, but lastly this, the peace of God produces a disciplined life. A disciplined life. Very quickly. There are two imperatives in verses 8 and 9. Imperative in verse 8, we spent enough time talking about it. Think about these things. The meditation of the heart that's ruled, the mind that's ruled by the peace of God that belongs to all those who by faith turned to Jesus Christ and repented of their sin. They have peace with God. Verse 9, though, there's another imperative, and Paul says, practice these things. In verse 8, think about these things. In verse 9, practice these things. Verse 9 says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, essentially, I am living this out. You have seen it in my life. Now you do the same. And your life will know a greater enjoyment of the peace of God. And your life will experience the nearness of the God of peace. He will be with you. Oh, church, it's so good to be near to God, isn't it? He is with us. Oh, that we would train our minds and discipline our minds and the disciplined mind produce a disciplined life that practices what we hear. We're living in noisy days 
noise that seems impossible to escape, noise that we have in many cases become desensitized to, noise that disrupts our peace and joy, I wonder if right now we can all take a simple moment to look into our hearts. In a moment, we're gonna participate in the Lord's Supper, a beautiful way to apply some of what we're hearing today. But would you consider your own heart? Maybe you wanna bow your head right now. You can do that. Consider your own heart and the things filling your mind. And perhaps today is a day of repentance and change and a greater enjoyment that awaits us. Father, I I pray for these wonderful people. I pray for this wonderful church. And as we get ready to participate and come to the table, would you be speaking to us, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you illumine the words of Scripture to us? What a glorious thing it would be, God, if you, by your sovereign hand, reached down and touched each one and where there was an area of unconfessed sin, there could be confession and repentance and, and change. And I pray for the people in this room and even as we approach the Lord's Supper right now, that if there's anything that needs to change in our lives, And anything we can do that you're showing us right now to put us in the way of wisdom so that our minds are formed by all that we heard about today, that our lives are changed by all that we heard about today, I pray you would teach us and show us and give us the humility to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.